Valid Points, a podcast series focusing on real innovation in the emerging value-based health benefits space. Valid Points is brought to you by Validation Institute, a trusted independent resource for healthcare purchasers, vendors, and benefits advisors. Validation Institute is a networked membership organization focused on delivering better health value and stronger outcomes than conventional health care. I'm Greg Masters, the show's producer. Hosting today is Brian Klepper, Ph.D., Principal at Worksite Health Advisors and Executive Vice President at Validation Institute. On this episode of Valid Points, our guest is Kristen Begley, PharmD, Chief Commercial Officer of Wildflower Health, a solutions-oriented technology company committed to growing healthy families. Follow Kristen and Wildflower's work on the web via www.wildflowerhealth.com and on Twitter via at Wildflower Health. And with that introduction, Brian, over to you. Thanks, Greg. Kristen, how are you? Great. We are here on the Valid Points podcast. We've got Kristen Begley. And Kristen is part of a relatively new venture called Wildflower. Kristen, why don't you tell us what that is? Perfect. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. I've had a little bit of an interesting path. I am a pharmacist by training, worked in Fortune 500 Consulting at one of the big three firms, and then went to risk-based contracting and PBMs. And now I stepped into the brave world of health IT at Wildflower Health. Just So you guys kind of have a lens of what we do. Our goal is to digitally engage the chief health officer of the home, a.k.a. mom, in those moments that matter since most people may or may not realize this. The investment community sure has started realize this, is that moms make 80% of healthcare decisions in the United States, probably spending about 90% of the money because that 25-year-old male is never going to the doctor because he doesn't need to unless there's some emergent we know that moms are managing all of this money, and so we tried to co- create a consumer-like experience to connect her to those moments that matter when she needs health care, not when benefits are handed out at the beginning of the year. So we developed an enterprise platform for user personalization, behaving how Netflix or Pinterest would your next great purchase. We act as that digital front door to access employer, provider, and payer point solutions by personalizing education and call to action. And we accomplish this by incorporating data such as demographics, EMR data, user interface, to really kind of amplify the impact of health plans, providers, and those employer-procured vendors that really go unused. So our application that's mobile is educating users, individuals on health issues, reminds them to take certain action steps through tools and trackers, and connects them to local providers through integrated provider appointment portals and touch points. Um, it is the super user. It's what we believe that the healthcare system has been missing, and a lot of other health IT is jumping into this space because they also believe this is missing. Okay, so let's let's unpack that some. First, let me ask you whether it's going to be a challenge getting to individual healthcare consumers and patients, or whether the the real opportunity is through groups like employers and unions. Does that enter into the equation? Definitely. I think that the, you know, I have the privilege of working with both provider and payers. So I get to work with health systems. They're 50% of my clients. Payers are the other 50% of our clients, which are health plans and employers or unions. 
we've chose to go down an enterprise platform value to work with those two major segments because we know that from research that we've done and other market studies that patients really do trust their physician. So if you white label a health IT application representing their health system, or if you white label another application that represents their health plan, or you can digitally provide something white labeled as their employer, patients will trust any one of those sources. Um, there's been a lot of direct-to-consumer apps out there. They haven't been super successful in the marketplace because I think it's getting harder to get that patient loyalty and the acquisition cost of getting people on a direct-to-consumer basis is really high. So we've chosen a completely different path than what you've seen out there, although there have been some pretty successful IPOs in the health IT world for sure over the last year. Yeah, that's a successful IPO may or may not translate to a successful venture. And successful IPOs just means that there's a bet that's out there that it will be successful. I think that your point is really well taken, but it helps to have a trusted sponsor to partner with on these things. Is that is that fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just think, you know, data privacy, particularly around healthcare, the sensitivity, the data breaches in Facebook, I mean, just lately, but the recent news of people being able to break in, it definitely helps that it's not just a consumer app. One of the other problems that I think consumer apps have is that they tend to be very episodic. So there's consumer apps for pregnancy. There's consumer apps for diaper tracking. There's consumer apps for nursing, for early stage childcare. Well, who wants all those apps? And I would say just as my background as a clinician, it is very likely that a patient could be obese plus have depression. They don't live in one world plus have diabetes, right? So if you just have a diabetes app and you're serving that one thing, what about their mental health? It's not connected together. And I think that's one of the big failures of the consumer apps is they focus on one small segment and they struggle to capture that person over their course of their family care, but their whole body. If I think of myself, I have, you know, in my early 40s, I have friends trying to get pregnant plus needing mammograms, and maybe they have diabetes also. There's a whole lot of conditions to treat in that one patient or serve up education, and I think that the consumer is really exhausted with going to so many different places to try to procure this information and, and get their information. So Wildflower hopes to be a a super platform for healthcare for for all for all information that a patient or a consumer could use in healthcare that's it's very ambitious or How is it we, an or, organizing principle instead um it's a bit of both so it is very ambitious and i will say that uh, we were, you know, the new word, buzzword, personalizing healthcare. The previous, I'd say, generation to that word was healthcare navigator. We were personalizing healthcare, I'd say, before it was cool, so to speak. So Wildflower is eight years old, and we started out in pregnancy because of our CEO and founder. She had her own fertility issues maintaining her pregnancy, and she was a McKesson legacy employee and worked at DNA Direct, and she thought, how could I be so smart in healthcare and not know where to go or what to do um, or what benefits I have, where I can go register for a baby shower and have a much more elegant consumer experience, but I can't get anything done mobily. 
So she started Wildflower in the pregnancy space where she was personalizing calls to action, trackers, content, where to go in that spot. And then we thought, well, why would you leave mom, you know, out in the cold once you've had the baby? You actually probably need more help once you've had the baby. So we expanded the content and the trackers and the tools to the zero to two age group and then naturally migrated to zero to 18 then realizing mom is that superpower buyer for healthcare, she's managing her parents, she's managing her husband, we added the content and the calls to action. All of this just really learning from our customers and having that base of hospital systems and health plans trying to connect to the user. And what the natural evolution and migration of, you know, what's happening in the wildflower world, and luckily what's happening in healthcare with value-based payment reform, et cetera, is that we're sitting nicely in the middle of health plans and health system. Also, we, have, we happen to have Medicaid customers, so there's community resources like ride-sharing, you know, um, to get that Medicaid mom to the hospital so that they don't have, they don't miss their appointment and then end up in the ER costing the government even more. At Wildflower, because we're starting to deploy these in a, we call it a network fashion, you can serve up the hospital system, the doctors, calls to action, education, and then that safety net of the health plan, which they may have telemedicine, the health system could have telemedicine too, or EAP, or that case management so that they don't fall through the cracks. And if we are networked in the community, we can also start pulling those things around the member. So it truly is member-centric care. And I think it is just the natural evolution of where our health system is trying to go from the fee-for-service payment model over to a outcomes-based, value-based payment model. So we feel like we're sitting really nicely in the crosshairs of those two things, particularly that we're attached to at least 50 million lives in America today. I would say that health IT is relatively young. I mean, you know, Wildflower would be considered, a, I'd say, long in the tooth. Um, health IT being almost eight years old, a really wonderful report came out by Gartner, if anybody can get their hands on it, and it really talked about the hype, hype cycle of anything in consumer engagement, whether that be telemedicine, personalized, you know, navigators, um, you know, genetics. And it talks about how long it takes that innovation trigger of realizing there's a problem in our industry and how do we solve it, and, of course, the mass number of of innovation and, you know, everything that's out there and how many years it really goes through that cycle of innovation to inflated expectations and then they have a funny trough of disillusionment that we thought that this would be the silver bullet. Of course, it's not necessarily the silver bullet. Not one thing will be. And then this, what they call it the uh, slope of enlightenment when everything's kind of the kinks have worked out and people know what they can expect and how many people to say sign up for telemedicine and what the cost reduction in the overall population can be for non-acute or let's say it's the next generation retail clinic that's out there that's posting their prices. They all have to go through that cycle and health IT has really been no different. Wow. You're really, this is really a, a zero to infinity overnight kind of, um, kind of story. And, and I see the vision. Tell me, where are you in terms – did you say that you had, had 50 million lives that you're tapped into already? Our 
customer that's, base has 50 million lives that we're tapped into. That's a lot to, to begin with, a seventh of the U.S. population. So that's huge. Well, they haven't adopted the full family health. We're migrating there. Remember, we said we started in pregnancy. So if you have 50 million lives and 2% of them are pregnant at any given time, and that's the application that a health plan deploys, that's the only percent of the population that you have access to. Hospital systems are kind of, I'd say, winning the war race. Maybe it's because survival of the fittest. They seem to be more focused relative to knowing that they need to engage that consumer, that super consumer mom. So where they started in pregnancy, they're more rapidly adopting to full family health, um, where mom can support her entire family and track vaccinations and know that dad needs to take care of low back pain. Um, I see in the payer, direct payer environment, like a TPA or an employer situation where they've bought all these point solutions from Grand Rounds to telemedicine, they have their health plan, they have all some multiple health plans. Um, they are very excited to have this weave together, almost digitize the benefits handbook, because for instance, if you go to your PCP and complain about your neck pain, and he happens to do neck surgeries, God forbid, you could be going there to someone who's not very experienced having, you know, unneeded surgery on your spine, whereas this employer or TPA or union may have grand rounds. So, and they would like that expert second opinion. So an application like ours, and we see, again, in the hospital sector and in the direct payer employer TPA sector, they're more quickly adopting to this consumer Pinterest of healthcare deployment platform much better than the historic navigators than the health plans. The health plans, they tend to be very slow to adopt. They're obviously, there's a lot of different apps that they have, homegrown, that it's hard to unwind that ball of wax. Or if they purchased, you know, someone five years ago that they thought had promised for navigation, and this new generation behaves more like Amazon or Pinterest, it's hard to kind of unwind those business relationships. So what we see them do is they'll say, we're going to give you a portion of our commercial population and see how you save money in pregnancy. Oh, this was really fantastic. Let's expand this to our full commercial population and our fully insured population. So they just move a little slower than, say, a hospital system where that's localized, where you have a chief digital officer, a chief marketing officer, a CEO very concerned with their bottom line, and a head of clinical that's championing the fact that moms aren't even taking care of themselves. They're forgetting their mammograms. They're not getting their colonoscopies because they're so busy taking care of their family. You could see that the sales cycle and the adoption rate in the health system and that kind of overlaying need for them to move into this value-based reimbursement continuum, you can see they have a greater urgency to deploy something that is very consumer-friendly that, you know, frankly, we experience in our whole rest of our lives, right? Like we are a mobily-enabled, omni-channel you know, world. Even, I mean, my grandparents are on um, the Internet, much less, you know, millennials and Generation Z that spend five hours on the Internet every single day, and they've never lived without the Internet or would have a panic attack without their phones. 
so you can see why the healthcare system with millennials having babies and knowing that that woman is the you know champion to her whole family and access and the person that's going to nag people to care. They move quicker in adoption to full family health and in trying to weave the navigation of landscape because let's face it, you know, the three of us sitting on the phone, we may be super users of healthcare, but it is highly likely that maybe you don't know your health plan has telemedicine and you run off to your physician versus making a phone call to get the antibiotics you need for your ear infection. And then, you know, those sort of things are just not at top of mind. And, and additionally, like if you think about the fact that, you know, there's, there's moments in healthcare where you're a patient and there's moments in healthcare where you're good at being a consumer. And obviously when you have cancer, you're not the best consumer. You're scared and there's a lot of emotion that go on it. And so it's helping them navigate where is my best place of care. Um, and Brian, I know we've had lots of discussions about this too. I mean, obviously the holy grail of enlightening that patient, that user with um, transparency of quality and cost is also a really great thing. So, you know, to round this all out, the Wildflower app, it really absorbs all those point solutions and kind of the boring things that hospital systems tried, like, you know, schedule your doctor's appointment. You may go in to schedule your doctor's appointment, but you're not going to sit there and peruse and learn about your house. It's a very transactional type of care, um, where this is something that can engage the consumer and get them involved in their care because they really can't be passengers, right? If we're going to reduce healthcare costs, we have to get patients engaged in their care. So let me ask this. Do you have data so far that demonstrates that when you use this app and, and this, this, this platform is really what it is, I guess, that you're able to drive better health outcomes and, and lower costs? We have. Again, just like all you know, other health IT companies, it's a struggle to, one, get the data from your customer sometimes. Actually, our hospital clients tend to be the most sharing with data, and we're about to release a study with Providence St. Joseph's, the core study showing you know, better breastfeeding, better attendance to classes, lower NICU visits. Our first study that we released that was peer-reviewed was on a very small subset. It was in Medicaid. And frankly, it's really rare for health IT to release a lot of studies because they're so new and it takes time and it takes money and it takes energy to create these peer-reviewed studies. And, and none of us have been out in the market for, you know, 10 years with a lot of additional dollars to spend and focus and, you know, outcomes-focused uh, people. So of the 104 peer-reviewed studies that are out in the market today, only 28% of them on health IT study high-risk, high-cost patients, and only eight showed clinical effectiveness. Yet the market and the investors are flocking to this because it's just a reality that we cannot continue in this place where we are, hoping that patients stitch together all these pieces of information and different vendors that, that probably their employer or union procured for them or their health plan has for them. It's so difficult, not to mention the fact that it's difficult to just get your health records. It's just not going to continue in this, you know, 
place very much longer, and that's why everybody's flooding to this market from, you know, Google to Amazon to companies like ours, and everybody's trying to come up with a solution because it, it's like we live in the Stone Ages relative to, you know, consuming healthcare information and accessing healthcare. So are you driving coordination of an engagement in the care by using your own resources or are you serving as a platform for for other organizations, the Grand Rounds of the world, the, the Integrated Musculoskeletal Cares, the Epigenexes of the world, the Livongos? Are you, can you do either or both? Repeat the first part of the question. Are are you are you driving with your own content and your own management resources? Are you driving the the management process? For the, for the people who are using your app? Or are you providing a platform for other organizations to, that, that may have specialized niche expertise to, to use their tools to reach your members? We do a little of both. So we actually solicit content from, you know, kind of the classic organizations like StayWell, you know, AAP, ACOG, American Heart Association, and we write our own content also. And then what is really special about our organization is because I know how old you are. Maybe it's user input data. Maybe it's data I got from the EMR. I know what articles that you're looking at. So I have what I call calls to action, tagged to say articles on depression. So the moment you read that article on depression, if you have a resource, which you either do through your health plan or hospital, or maybe you have a specialized resource, the call to action would be to touch here to talk to that nurse case manager or whoever it may be, and it links those things up. So it's as if we provided the content and wrapper and we put it into a consumer-friendly package like you're used to on Facebook or Instagram with interesting things on it outside of just look up depression, right? We talked to you about the fact that in your 40s you need to manage stress or watch your lower back and here's some healthy recipes. So we've layered in these what I call sticky lifestyle points of interest, and we put that in there for your children, your, your parents, grandparents, and there's this constant feed which then link out to those special programs like a Grand Rounds if they exist. So let's say I have a TPA that is managing a union population who has Grand Rounds. And if someone looks up back pain or back surgery, it will then notify them to say, if you're trying to schedule an appointment or whatnot, touch here for a second opinion. And why would that second opinion be important? We can also collect that from the EMR data. So we can collect that information from the TPA and know that someone scheduled a back pain appointment or whatnot in the data and say, did you know? that often second opinions are important for X, Y, and Z. So it's, it's exactly what you experience in your consumer life, but people haven't really, they have never experienced this in healthcare. For instance, I don't have diabetes, so I don't want to see articles about diabetes. There's no point in me navigating tiles on the traditional um, navigators as they were to try to find things or move around that. It's just not in my yeah. feed. There's nothing Here, about it that's there. Here's, my, here's the thing I'm curious about, though. 
you're in a position to aggregate and and curate all information and you're in a position to refer necessary resources when you receive a flag that that, that resource is needed it what is less clear is that you are in a position to refer the right resources because of our backgrounds and what we we both do I know you understand what I mean by that. American healthcare, by and large, is horrible. We mm-hmm. have we have completely different practice patterns than they do in the rest of the industrialized world, and we have it because we've we've had 60 years of fee-for-service reimbursement, and all of our practice patterns are distorted. So the opportunity is for you to be able to curate the the very best practices and bring them to bear on platform. Is that what your what your goal is to do eventually? I can, I can see it? where 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 you might have started off with that under wildflower, but the question remains: If it comes to musculoskeletal, are you going to have the the subject matter expertise to really choose the best route? That's sort of the bottom line. Does that does that make sense? It does. It does. So all of our content. Uh, well, first of all, resources are really what's available through the health plan or the provider, and we'll get into what the networking is, or the employer as a default, right? And the employer, if they hired us directly, they obviously would connect people sometimes that don't want to be connected together, and that's where our platform would overlay. Obviously, all of our content and recommendations, and I think this is one of the benefits of Wildflower, has been vetted by high-level, appropriate clinical guidelines. Am I promoting Dr. A over Dr. B? No. If someone has grand rounds that requires a second opinion, you know, more loopholes for the patient to get through to make sure that they don't end up with a low-quality provider or service, we would automatically put them through to that process to connect them so that they know that they have a vendor like a Grand Rounds if they're best in class. You know, at Wildflower and in digital, like, we need to focus consumers with smarter tools that are intuitive and adaptive and dynamic, that they're smart in a word, to get them engaged in content that's easy to consume and provides logical pathways relevant to them and their needs. We need to really focus on the moments that matter so timing is everything in healthcare. Consumers don't need the healthcare system until they need the healthcare system. So in that moment of need, we need to be there and be easy to access and direct them where to go. And overall, they just need a better experience. A growing number of those healthcare consumers are in a place where they expect their providers to provide this enhanced consumer experience. And they're willing to change doctors if they cannot access, access care digitally. It's a fascinating topic, and what you're engaged in is ambitious in the extreme. Kristen, thank you for taking the time to talk. What I'd like to propose is that we schedule another time to go deeper into the conversation and talk about the things that you're, you have planned and the things you're getting done. That sounds fantastic. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Greg. That, that's great, Kristen. Thank you so much for being with us. Greg, over to you. And thank you, Brian. That will be the last word for today's broadcast. I want to thank Kristen Begley, Chief Commercial Officer of Wildflower Health, for her insights. Do follow Kristen and Wildflower Health's work on the web via www.wildflowerhealth.com and on Twitter via at Wildflower Health. Finally, for more cutting-edge insights into the emerging value-based health benefits advisory space, 
be sure to subscribe to the Valid Points newsletter and this Valid Points podcast for an informative series featuring top industry talent. Go to www.validationinstitute.com forward slash Valid Points podcast and follow Validation Institute's work on Twitter via at Valid underscore Institute. For Brian Klepper, Kristen Begley, and this Valid Points broadcast, this is Greg Masters saying, bye now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.